Hey, this is Ed Stetzer, and you are listening to Ed Stetzer Live. We are um, live here on your radio, and many of you listen, of course, to by, by podcast now, which is a great way to listen, because sometimes you're not available on a Saturday at this time. So as always, go to edstetzerlive.com. There's easy-to-see links. You click there. You can actually listen to this show or past shows. And with a link or two, you can subscribe to this show as a podcast. And increasingly, people do that, and we're for that. We're in favor of that. Of course, Ron, you know, about 150 outlets around the country. Uh, but we also recognize that, you know, not everyone is uh, at their terrestrial, that's what we call it in the radio world, terrestrial radio stations uh, at the time that this is being broadcast. But when you are, even better and great. So I'm actually broadcasting live here. I'm at the basement of the Wheaton College uh, Billy Graham Center. We have a studio down here, and uh, and I'm actually here for one more week. I have been, if you followed the show, you know I lived in England for several months at the end of last year. I've been back here for about two, three weeks, the, the kids all came home for Christmas, and now Donna and I are moving for the next several months to California to finish my sabbatical. Uh, I'm on sabbatical from Wheaton College, but I am not on sabbatical from being your radio host this time uh, every Saturday. But we'll be in California. Those of you who listen on K-Wave, uh, I'll be actually broadcasting occasionally from K-Wave and, uh, and be in the uh, uh, Southern California area. And yes, I recognize that going from Chicago to California in January may be a decision related to weather as well. It is, it is indeed cold here. But, uh, but we're, so we're excited. We're going to continue these conversations. We have these conversations each and every week. If, hopefully you listened to last week's show. Um, and we had Trillia Newbell on, and Trillia talked about, uh, well, she has a new resource on reading the Bible, and so I tweeted on January 1st that uh, I was very proud that I have had one successful day of my Bible reading plan. So, and of course, you know, everyone affirmed that I had, you know, January 1st, I had one big day under my belt for Bible reading. And uh, then the next day, I tweeted, it was a joke, I really didn't do this, but I mean, I, I did tweet this, but I, I said, up. Oh, Day two, I'm already behind on my Bible reading plan. But my point was in that, having a little fun to say that if you're seven days in, it's January 7th, and you're, uh, you know, started, got a few days in or haven't started yet, it's a great time to begin reading your Bible. You might even say, you know, the week, the uh, new year officially starts January 9th, the, the first Monday that's not a holiday. So uh, let me encourage you, listen to the last few weeks. We had uh, Josh Laxton talk about men and Bible devotions. We had uh, we had uh, Tim Larson actually talk about Christmas, but but and you can always listen to that. That's always interesting. And then Trulia, just last week, talked about that. You can go to edstetzerlive.com. So in this program, we we kind of move around to different topics, different uh, points of need. I think that's what people find helpful. It's not always the same thing. And sometimes it's uh, fun and lighthearted. I think our Christmas program was sort of fun and lighthearted. Uh, Tim Larson wrote the Oxford Handbook on Christmas. Like he edited it, I think. But, but you know, it's kind of funny to have the guy wrote the book on Christmas. So, so we got to talk to him. I called him Father Christmas during the breaks. Though we had fun, had fun there as well. And uh, and and sometimes we have more uh, sobering topics. And sometimes we talk about challenges in the culture. And sometimes we talk about opportunities to share our faith. And today, uh, just to kind of give folks kind of a, a picture of where we're going, today we're going to talk about issues of uh, grieving. And uh, we're going to talk about um, uh, through the lens of loss, and we're going to walk through uh, this conversation. I, I tell you all that to say that if this is something that you know somebody you care about would listen to or should care about or might might find comforting and helpful, you can text them, right? Just text them and say, hey, turn on your radio or listen at the link. You go to Ed Stetzer Live. We have a 
live link and you can listen there because we're going to talk about the loss of a loved one and, well, really a book that sort of flows from that. So let me introduce my guest. Uh, Danita Janae is a young mom and a recent military widow, and she's been walking through some of this, learning to carry uh, both the joy and sorrow in the same breath that she has articulated. So she's an author, speaker, poet, and artist, and she wrote a book. It's relatively new from from Moody, our partner here. You know, we're part of Moody Radio, and Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute, and another one of the ministries is Moody Publishing. And um, she wrote with Moody Publishing, "When Mountains Crumble: Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone You Love." And she walks alongside the brokenhearted, offering uh, practical and creative ways to lead a spirit led life. So, Danita, thank you so much for joining us on the program. And if just if you just probably just jump in and tell us your story and why you wrote this book. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Mr. Ed. Thanks for having me. Um, so a little bit about my story. Uh, you mentioned I'm a military widow. So as a military family, um, we were used to lots of challenges that we face as we moved around um, in our one of our last moves, um, we were in Nebraska and my health plummeted and we really were fighting for my own life at that time. So I, um, I learned to face my own (laughs) frailty of life and kind of face head on, like the possibility of me not surviving. Um, but then God did a miracle during that time. My husband and I learned to fast and pray in a whole new level. And we really saw miraculous healing. The doctor even said that. Um, And then shortly after that, uh, we moved, which was going to be our last military move to Colorado. And uh, I remember we went hiking just a couple weeks after being in town and the desert was blooming. It was amazing. Um, I'd never seen Colorado like that before. Um, And I remember hiking with them and being like, honey, like I'm alive and we're hiking together. This is so amazing. And it just felt so precious. And then um, it was honestly just another couple weeks later that uh, we lost my husband while he was hiking a 14er. Those are mountains over 14,000 feet. So we kind of, um, we say that's the day our mountains crumbled, right? Everything that we depended on as a military family was home is where we're together. And we were no longer together anymore. And we were in a new place with no church home, no community yet. And um, the one thing that was our stability was my husband and we lost him. So uh, we really had to, we really had to lean into the Lord as our rock in a whole new way, even, um, even past like what we had to learn when I was losing my own health. So we've, (laughs) we've been squeezed out of um, just a lot of, of trials and crises, but we have definitely found God to still be faithful. Yeah, wow. And I, I mean, even talking about it, I can feel, and and we as the, the audience can just feel the weight of having these conversations. Yet you, um, you did step into this to say, I want to write about this. I want to not just, uh, I mean, just so overwhelming that the grief can be, but for some reason, I want you to share with us the reason. You also wanted to share this with uh, others who may be kind of on that similar journey. So tell us, tell us how your pain uh, became a place of uh, of ministry to others. Yeah, I think because we were in a new space and didn't have tons of community around us, um, 
I think even when people are in a community, when they lose someone so close to them, I think you feel isolated no matter what, like whether there's people there or not people that step in. Um, I think just the nature of grief feels super isolating. And so because our experience, we felt that so acutely, um, that really felt like such a huge need to speak into um, what do you do when you just feel so completely alone or even misunderstood by the people that used to know you. Um, so I think that was a big, a big need that I felt needed spoken life into. But I also, I realized that there wasn't a lot of grief literature that was written where it was someone who was like in the thick of the raw grief with you. Um, most of it was like, okay, I've been through this. I'm fully healed. Now I can talk about it. And I needed, I honestly needed somebody who was like, this stinks and this is hard and this is what's ugly and this is normal. <laughs> and um, so it was kind of those two different real, real um, needs I felt like needed to be spoken into grief literature and grief culture and just that space of loss. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is, uh, it is a gift when somebody is um, willing to open their, their heart and their pain, uh, because, you know, there's not a lot of that. You're right. It's often, sometimes we can look at it from a clinical perspective, which I think is actually right. good. I'm not against that. But you are uh, grieving on the pages of the book. The book is, again, called uh, When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone You Love. Uh, now, Dan, your husband, uh, tell, us about, tell us about Dan and your relationship with him. Yeah, I'm, like, smiling really big every time I hear his name. <laughs> um. He was more like Jesus than anyone I've ever met. Dan was um, playful. He was kind and servant-hearted. Um, he was a really great leader, but he did so very gently. And um, just a, a really healing picture of who Jesus really is for me and for my kids and anyone that knew him. Uh, he he changed the way that they would love their spouses and love their kids just by watching him. Pretty special guy. <laughs> yeah, sounds sound, sounds like it. And one of the things that you know, in times of grief, we often, you know, in American culture, it's not like this in every culture around the world. Um, we don't speak of death, and so we don't know how to speak of those who've died. And so we use euphemisms for that, you know, passed away or other things. And sometimes, because we don't know how to speak of death, we don't know if we should mention those who have died. And yet right. so often it brings a great joy to talk about Dan, brings a great joy to talk about someone that we've we've lost. And so, but let's talk more about kind of your journey, your experience. The the loss of a loved one kind of sometimes changes. It did for me. I when when we're having this conversation, I'm thinking of my sister who died uh, mm -hmm. at 20 of a rare form of cancer. And everyone has a grief story probably along the journey. And and they're not comparable. Everyone's got their own journey. But um it changed our sometimes relationships in our family. I imagine it did that with you. I imagine it changes it changed our relationship with God in some ways. So, how did losing uh, Dan uh, impact your relationship with God and your prayer life? Yeah, I think the reason why it changes our relationships with everyone around us, including with the Lord, is just because um, we change just so quickly when we lose someone who was like an anchor in some part of our life, and so. Um, 
our personalities can change. Our love languages can change. Everything can change. And so all of a sudden we're trying to figure out, well, who even am I now? And am I going to be this way forever? And <laughs> who are you now? Because you're also grieving. And um, so when that when that comes into your prayer life and your time with the Lord, it's like um, often it can look like, God, where are you? Because um, at least in it's, my experience is different than some people. Some people feel like the Lord feels super close in those times. But for me, he felt super close before. <laughs> and then when I lost my husband, when I felt like I needed God the most, um, he felt distant and quiet. And I really struggled with, um, like, God, where are you? Did you abandon me too? Kind of a feeling. Um, and I just allowed myself to wrestle with those things with the Lord and to tell him and <laughs> to let him know how, uh, abandoned I had felt or how I, how I was feeling about why he was quiet. And eventually I really started to understand that sometimes if someone is hurting so badly, they actually don't need a bunch of words <laughs> mm-hmm. or like, um, you know, like, let me tell you what you need to do. They really just need someone's presence. And I felt like that's kind of how the Lord related with me. It just took me a while to recognize it. Um, but I did start to see, okay, he was present here. He was present here. He was just quiet. And there's actually a big ministry in just your quiet presence. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing to navigate your relationship with the Lord through grief, which is actually a huge part of, of the book is the questions and the whys to the Lord and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. We're going to take your calls as well. We're talking to Danita Janae. Uh, her book is When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone uh, You Love. We're actually going to share some copies of the book with some amazing, great, interarticulate, thoughtful callers. Our number is 877-548-3675. Maybe you want to ask a question. Maybe you want to share your story. Again, it's 877-548-3675. As believers in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary, but the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at moodypublishers.com. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. Um, I'm Ed Stetzer. I'm the executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center and your radio host each and every Saturday at this time. We're talking today. Our guest is Danita Janae, and uh, she's a young mom, recent military widow, who's written a book about some of the challenges of grief, walking through grief. Well, the title of the book is When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone You Love. And we've already had some important parts to that conversation uh, as well. And I think for a lot of people, uh, Dania, they 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 are unsure how they might deal with grief, and I, and I guess there's a reason for that. We don't know how. I mean, people deal with um, grief differently, and many people um, find themselves questioning God. Uh, I I certainly did, uh, or at least God's plan. 
Um, is it okay to question God? And oh, might be there be some some you've already started talking about how you cried out to the Lord and what sounded like a psalmist crying out to the Lord. Where is He? Uh, but talk to a little bit about about maybe what the Bible points us to related to questioning God as well. Yeah, I felt like my questions were were central to my to my walking through grief, and I noticed that that theme was so common in everyone I spoke to that has been through a lot of loss. Um, like just even basic question of why, like why did this happen? Why did it happen then? Why now? Why, why this person? Um, so I think sometimes we have those questions and it's even harder, I believe, as a Christian because now we have this like, well, am I even allowed to ask why? Am I allowed to feel this way? Am I allowed, you know? Um, so I remember thinking how long it took me to finally ask why. And then when I did, I was like, is this okay? In <laughs> um, the Lord was so kind uh, when I was kind of asking, like, am I even allowed to ask why? He reminded me of the cross and Jesus is, is on the cross in his most suffering, sorrowful moment. And he's like, why? Why, God? Why did you forsake me? And he's essentially saying exactly what was... <laughs> like my core struggle that we mentioned before, like, why have you ditched me, Lord? Why did you abandon me? Why did you forsake me? And um, when I when I thought about that, I was like, okay, if Jesus can cry out like that, and if he can ask that question, surely, you know, we can follow in those footsteps. And it just gave me this huge permission to ask the really hard questions of the Lord. And, you know, sometimes we get our answers and often we don't. And um, that's kind of part of the wrestling it out with the Lord. But it's just um, so healing to have that permission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just you you can't look much throughout the Bible and 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 avoid these times of questioning. The psalmists do this. Jesus does this. And yet sometimes we see that as not having faith, where maybe a better understanding of it is walking through walking through grief. Let me remind everybody that our phone number is 877-548-3675. We're talking to Danita Janae. Uh, we're talking about her new book, When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone You Love. It's part of our Moody family here at Moody Publishing. And she is um, a military wife whose husband, uh, Dan, uh, died in a uh, mountain climbing accident. And we are hearing some of her story, but also her processing. I think that's a key thing to sort of see the book because you didn't, I mean, this, you wrote the book. Well, give us the timeline of the book related to the loss of your husband and the writing of the book because it was not, there's not a long dist time distance between these. No. And a lot of the content was written before I knew it was going to turn into a book um, because right. just writing has been part of my calling for decades. And so um, it's just what I did. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the content was written in the very fresh, days. Um, and I think that's, I think that's part of why it's been bringing healing to so many people. Cause they're like, Oh my gosh, like I thought that, but I, I couldn't figure out how to say it or I felt that. And I, I couldn't figure out how to explain it. And, um, so yeah, with timelines, with grief, it all feels like a blur, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, totally. timelines kind of disappear, but it was definitely written in, you know, within the first, few months, few years, and then um, edited. Like, I think I <laughs> rewrote it like eight times. Sure. Um, but 
yeah, just a lot of the content is definitely those raw stages. Yeah. And one of the things you you do talk some about, we even mentioned it a little earlier in the program, is in ways grief, um, experience of grief sort of changes your identity. It changes, you mentioned love languages, interestingly, it changes personality. Um, tell us a little bit about that. I think that surprises people. They make the assumption that there's just the loss, but there's not the change, but there's always change with loss. Yeah. I think we lose we lose a lot of who we used to could say we were, especially when it's someone like your dad or your your spouse, um, because we do get a lot of our identity from that. Um, so for me personally, we went from like military to, are we civilians now? Are we military? Mm -hmm. What are we? Um, I went from being the dependent to the primary person in the family. I went from, um, being a happily married wife to a solo parent and these identity things just, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like just this shock of like, oh yeah, when you get your ID card, all of a sudden I'm the, I'm the first person on the list and it's not my husband anymore. And uh, it's just these slow, in many ways, it's a slow realization of how things have changed. And in many ways, it just feels like even the first day after we learned that my husband died, my kids were like, is our last name still the same? So like, mm to the core <laughs> changes, you know, who am I now? I think that one of the big things that has helped me was to validate those things, like to, to understand that those changes in my identity are very real and they affect my life, but also they're very temporary. Mm. So I don't want to dismiss them, but I also needed to know that at the end of the day, Becoming a widow, that's a temporary identity. Um, but being a child of God, that's eternal. And yeah. so being able to kind of sort out, okay, these temporary identities are extremely painful as they change. But at the end of the day, kind of that foundation was, I still belong to the Lord. I'm still a kingdom of heaven. I'm still um, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Sorry, is what I was trying to say. And just, um, I'm still his. And that's, mm -hmm. When that's our core, it it really does offer a stability that's unexplainable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, let's let's go to Lynn in uh, Lake Forest, California. Um, Lynn, you're live on the air with your question, your comment. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Try not to cry. Hold on. Just okay. Go ahead. It's okay. Um, it's so about. It'll be two years in April. Um, we lost my nephew and my niece to an airplane crash. And mm -hmm. um, they were driving a Cessna or flying a Cessna, and they went down in Arizona. Um, they were pretty popular in aviation communities, and there was big write-ups about them. And my nephew was a um, jazz trumpetist, and he worked for Disney and did a lot of collaborations with musicians and, and such. And so there's a lot of... Um, YouTube videos of him, um, Tim Gill was his name, and or is his name, and um, their call signs were Tango and Juliet, so if you kind of Google them, Aww. you know, you, you'll see what, what we're talking about, but I guess the reason I'm calling, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss, and I know um, how hard it is to walk that road. I mean, they were my nephew and niece, and so they weren't my husband, but um, I just wanted to say I'm sorry for your loss. 
Um, mm. But I guess my question is, um, I guess it's twofold. Really, my my nephew Tim was my brother's only son and his wife, their, their only child. So, and we're all Christians and we all know God's plan and, and, and thank you for your, what you said about Jesus asking why on the cross, because that just was so enlightening yeah. to me to, to be able to say why and not feel guilty about that. So I appreciate that so much. Um, but my question is, other than just being in their presence with it, which I've tried to do, like when they need support or need help, I try to just drop and go just to be there for them. Um, but I, I, I just wanted to know if there's anything else that I can do to help support them in their grief process. Like what, what is more most beneficial for the active person who's grieving, who's suffered the immediate loss. Right. And then the other question and the thing I'm struggling with being the aunt is that I have grown children and I think I feel like I have survivor's guilt a little bit because I'm having a hard time enjoying my family knowing that they can't enjoy theirs. Mm-hmm. So I said it's hard too. So I'm, I'm struggling a little bit trying to be the support for everybody, but I feel like I'm just crumbling inside. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lynn, Lynn, I need you to hold on for just a second because unfortunately in the, in the world of, Radio and technology, one of the things that is about to happen is we're going to the bottom of the hour and the music plays regardless of the timing that I choose for it. And so, but I want you to hold on for just a second and I want you to get a, we're going to give you a copy of When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone You Love. When we come back, I'm going to ask Danita Janae to, uh, to share about, to respond to your question, the two, two, two places you put that. And also, we're going to also invite others if they want to call as well, 877-548-3675. So you, you hold on, Lynn. My producer is going to come on and give you a copy of the book, and we're going to take others' calls as well, 877-548-3675. Okay, we're back at Stetzer Live, and just before the bottom of the hour, we were talking to Lynn in Lake Forest, and Lynn shared the story of her uh, nephew and his wife, and and actually gave us the name, and I, I Googled, and I'm looking at their picture right now, and uh, grieving with you, Lynn, in their loss, and, and uh, Danita, Lynn had a couple of questions or themes around that, and so if you would kind of just kind of weigh in and kind of share your own journey through processing some of this. Yeah, Miss Lynn, I'm so I'm so sorry and definitely grieving alongside you as I hear as I hear your story and everything you're carrying. Um I I love your heart when you asked, you know, how can I help? How can I how can I step in and help um these uh, this family that's grieving um while you're also grieving. And so um I I think that we we can feel so helpless. Um when we're watching someone else walk through a super close loss. And so one of the things that I've um, learned that's just kind of, it's just kind of simple, but keeping those dates that are special in your phone um, and then your phone can remind you, but just letting them know like on the, on the death anniversary or that's what I call the day that, um, that they died in the plane crash, like keeping those dates in mind, of course, you're also walking through this, so they're on your mind. But when you just reach out or just say, I, you know, I love you guys. I'm thinking of you today, praying for you through this day. Um, and then kind of realizing that after milestones like that, 
like their son's um, and daughter-in-law's birthdays or their anniversary, all those dates and milestones um, stir it up fresh. But sometimes it's the like weeks leading up to that and then the aftermath after. And so just keeping that connection, um, which it sounds like you're doing, that's so important. I also just have a ton of prayers and practical ways that you can step in, even if you're long distance, um, in a grief relief bundle that you can find. It's free. It's at windmountainscrumble.com. I have a whole guide on how to help your grieving friend or family. And I think that that would be a real support to you. Um, but I also, I also hear your question about like the survivor's guilt and the regrets that you have. And, um, you said something that was so uh, powerful. You said you feel like you're trying to hold it together for everyone else, but you're the one who feels like you're crumbling inside. And I think that that's such a good way of explaining how we feel in that position. Um, something that helped me was I remember <laughs> the night we found out that um, my husband died. I remember thinking, okay, he was the rock of my family. He was the cornerstone of his family. He was, you know, on earth, he really was this, this like cornerstone that held us all together. And I remember thinking, Jesus, without him, like you have to step into that place. Of course, Jesus is our cornerstone, but (laughs) on earth, we have these pictures of people who are cornerstones in our lives. And so for me, something that I had to do was just understand that I can't be Jesus for everybody. Like Jesus already did that. And so to kind of remove myself from that place of um, being the one to save everyone, <laughs> honestly, if I'm, if I'm just going to be honest about it uh, and just saying, you have to do this, um, just gave me a lot of healing space because it took that extra pressure off of me. So that's my prayer for you is that you can come to a place where um, you can be set free of those guilts and regrets. And that's definitely something that's, um, I work through in the book and ask questions to help people process because that's so, um, it's just one more loss and grief that we have to work through is, is, you know, when, how do we celebrate life still, even when we're facing death at the same time? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking uh, about grief, and we're talking about walking through seasons of grief. Uh, grief with Denise Jeanne. The book is When Mountains Crumple, Crumble, uh, Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone You Love. You can find uh, – D- uh, Danita just mentioned some resources. They're all linked at edstetzerlive.com, and also I think you say whenmountainscrumble.com, and uh, that li- the link's there as well. Uh, Lynn, thank you. We uh, By now, I think we've got your address, or we'll get it right after to get your address to send you a free copy of the book as well. Let's go to Bonnie in Naperville. Bonnie, you're live on the air with your question your comment. Go ahead. Thank you. I'd just like to, for her to give me pointers on. I lost my last sibling. Uh, I'm the only one left. So I can't seem to get, and I didn't have this with my parents. I didn't have it with my other siblings except this one. I can't seem to get out of that place where I just, why did not do this? I could have done that. I could have done it. I just can't get away from what I could have and should have done. It just, it keeps me in a state where I'm just overwhelmed because I didn't do this. I could have done that. I could have, and we all grew up together. 
Yet I just keep feeling that with her, and I just pray and ask God to take it from me, but yet I walk away with overwhelming feelings. I could have, I should have. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? So would you speak to that, please? Let me let me oh, give yes. you a copy of uh, let me give you a copy of Denise's book though. So if you we're going to put you on hold, and then our producer is going to come back and uh, give you a copy of the book. Let me also mention that Denita's book is 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 you'll be encouraged by it. It's very moving. But Denita is also not a counselor, and if and nor am I. And this might be something too that might be part of something you want to explore in in counseling. Uh, I'll let you decide that. But Denita, why don't you weigh in and give us some of your thoughts as well? Yeah, uh, Miss Bonnie, thank you. Um, I'm so sorry for the losses that you experienced. And I just, um, those questions are are so big and I love that you're asking them. They're, um, they're huge. You know, the woulda, coulda, shouldas is what my husband called them. And I remember, um, I share more of this story in a specific chapter called woulda, coulda, shoulda, but there's a, there's a specific story where um, we were, my husband was missing for six days. And during that time, I remember looking up in the stars, there was a meteor shower and um, we didn't know what was going to happen, but we start to have all these questions and those, you articulated it so well, like, why, why didn't I do this? How could I have loved him better? Why didn't I, you know, tell him he shouldn't have gone, you know, all these questions that we have, um, regrets, guilt, Um, and I think that they can honestly eat us alive. Like we can start to feel so defeated by them. And it's just this additional weight that we carry in addition to trying to process, um, who we've lost and the life that they lived. We're also, um, have these regrets and condemnation, honestly, just kind of beat us up. And so something that I've just had to to do is the second anything like that comes to my mind, I just have to say, Jesus, like there is no condemnation in you. No condemnation comes from you. Guilt and regret is not of you. And um, I've just had to plead for so much grace. Um, God, give me grace for myself. Give me grace for that situation. Um, and and it <laughs> it's a process, but the more and more that we step into that with prayer and ask him to bring grace into those places and release us from that weight. Um, Eventually, over time, the more we continue that practice, we really do get set completely free. Um, So I know that that's available, but it also is, um, it's some hard work and practice to get there. Um, And that's okay. It, It keeps us it keeps us in step with the Lord. It keeps us in prayer throughout the day, and it keeps our thoughts in check. So, mm, good. Uh, and again, uh, Bonnie, remind you too that if you'll stay in the line, our producer is going to give you a copy um, of of the book, and I think you'll find it super encouraging. Again, when mountains crumble, rebuilding life after losing someone you love. And I want to come back in both cases in the, the conversation we just had with Lynn and with Bonnie. In both cases, you talk some about really. Finding grace for yourself, um, walking through that and being kind to yourself when you're grieving. And I want to talk about that and take a few more calls when we come back from the break. Our number is 877-548-3675. Again, last segment coming up, 877-548-3675. We're talking to Denita Janae about her book, When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone You Love. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Okay, we're back. Um, we're talking to Dania Janay. And Dania, just before um, we took a break, I wanted to ask you, I mean, both with Lynn and Bonnie's question, you responded with uh, some things that related to, you know, what I would say maybe being kind or gracious to yourself. Uh, and, and I think even in Lynn's question, she, she was asking, how, how can I take care of myself through some of this? So what does that look like? Yeah, um, for me, it was I needed to give myself a lot of margin. Um, so I needed to take a lot of things off my plate. Um, I needed to, if I was invited to something, I would create margin by saying, hey, I'd love to. I don't know how I'm going to be doing at that hour. <laughs> and I'd just be very honest um, and say, so if I need to cancel last minute, like it's not personal. It's just I can't do it that day. Um, and so just kind of being really direct and clear with the people around me that um, grief cannot be planned. And sometimes something will hit us and it'll be at the grocery store or while we're making dinner or folding laundry and maybe while we're preparing to go to a meeting. And so um, because it's unpredictable, um, creating margin allowed so much grace for me because it gave me the space that if a grief bomb went off or, you know, <laughs> something hit the fan, um, I would be able to have an out. Um, for me, that was huge. And also not having so many tasks, tasks and expectations of myself gave me the chance to um, just deal with all the other stuff that comes with loss, like even the administrative stuff or um, – the heart work that happens, um, making space for that's huge. Mm. Mm. Let's go to uh, Chuck in Cleveland. Chuck, you're live on the air with your question or comment. Go right, go right ahead. Yeah. Hi. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can. Go right ahead, please. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I have a, a comment. Uh, yeah. In 1980, my younger sister Kathy, she was shot in the head on the near west side of Cleveland. She was a Christian. Mm. She was out celebrating her 20th birthday. And the last thing she said to her girlfriend was, you know, uh, when the Lord closes one door, he opens another. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe that she had said that, but her friend said, yeah, she really said that. Well, at that time, I wasn't living for the Lord. I mean, I wasn't even a Christian. I didn't consider myself. But I gave my life to the Lord, April 2nd, 1980. And the funniest thing is, is that I want to share is that I didn't, I didn't grieve, and I didn't. I don't know why. I felt mm. like, what, what is wrong with me, Lord? I just, I'm not grieving for her, but I feel at peace that she's in heaven. So that's all I can figure is that I had confidence that she was in heaven, and that I'm still on earth, and I miss her terribly. But then when my mother died, it was a whole ten years ago. It was a whole different thing. I, I grieved so badly, and I still to this day I grieve. But, and, and the way I deal with it is I just, I can't even think about her because it hurts too much. Because mm. I, I, I was like best friends with my mother and I love her so much. Uh, we laughed, we had the same sense of humor, but I know she's in heaven too. So that, and now I'm working in a nursing, a nursing home. <laughs> I get close to people and, yeah. and, and then they die and, and I'm grieving over again, over and over again. But right. I know that these people that I witnessed to in, in, in nursing homes, they're in heaven too. So yeah. maybe, you know, it's just what will we go through, but it's, it's, it's a difficult, very difficult thing. And I, I sympathize with, 
with yeah. the young lady that you have on the show today. Well, let's yeah. let's have her weigh in just a little bit, Chuck. This is super helpful. If you'll stay on the line, though, too, we want to give you a copy of uh, of, of of her book, uh, of Danita's book. It's called uh, When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone You Love. I mean, kind of Chuck's story is a story of, of experiencing grief differently in different situations, maybe – uh, you know, much more in waves in one situation, or uh, it does seem that one of the, the common things in pastoral care is that we see people grieve differently. Uh, how, how might you encourage people to receive grief as it comes? And you talk a little bit too, I want you to talk about grief work, if you wouldn't mind. Talk a little bit about grief work that you wrote about in the book. Yeah, um, grief work is is really just the process of, um, you know, asking these questions and um, facing the loss and it really is work. And, um, I think what you're saying is so true. I mean, there's different relationships that we lose and we lose these loved ones or friends and our reactions are different every time. But, Mm -hmm. um, I think there's so much freedom and kindness of the Lord over our lives that we don't even understand. And I think sometimes we kind of wonder, like, I don't know, am I grieving right? Like, (laughs) am I grieving well? Am I doing this the right way? And um, there's just so much permission to be where you're at at that time because every, every loss looks different. Every person that loses someone in a family, like with our family, me and each of my children have processed this in totally different ways. Hmm. Um, and I, I just think there's there's not like a right way or a wrong way. And I hear you saying that, Mr. Chuck, like it was this way with my sister and this way with my mom. And um, I think it's just good to be aware of those things, but it's also just so kind of the Lord to meet us where we're at with each thing. Um, I also know that trauma is a whole different ball game. And that often comes into the story with grief. And so uh, that kind of needs a totally different type of healing than mm. grief does sometimes. So again, here, here, our exhortation that here at uh, Media Radio, we are exhorters towards counseling when that's needed as well. Mm-hmm. But Chuck, good, good. Uh, and get, make sure you stay in the line. Our producer will jump on and, and give you a copy of the, the book. I mentioned the phrase you use, grief work. But you also use the phrase grief bomb. Um, what, is, what is that and how can uh, folks going through grief deal with that when it comes? Yeah, um, grief bombs is just what I call it when like, I remember the first time this happened to me, I was making dinner and it was just something easy, spaghetti and meatballs, like frozen meatballs, a jar of marinara, like just easy. And, um, but for me at that time, this was a big deal that I had the brain power to make dinner. So I'm sitting there and making dinner and all of a sudden I just, I dish up a bowl and I, I break down to the floor. I'm crying. I'm like in fetal position on the floor of the kitchen. And I'm like, what, why am I crying? Like I couldn't even, my body was grieving before my brain could catch up. Um, and so for me, that's kind of what a grief bomb is, is we kind of have this like visceral reaction before we can even really understand what happened. But, and it took me a while to realize that was the last meal I prepared for when my husband was going to be coming home from that mountain. It was, um, marinara meatballs and, uh, he didn't come home to eat them. So when I was fixing it that night, months later, it just hit me in a way that, um, just felt like an explosion, felt like an ambush, felt like it came from nowhere. 
wasn't prepared for it. And um, yeah, I think just having a name for situations like that helps because at least we can be like, okay, that's what this is. That's what's happening to me. And uh, just understanding that that happens, it's normal. Um, not maybe so, not necessarily welcome, but it's normal. And um, eventually I began to see those triggers as an invitation to healing. When they, when triggers would happen, I would bring them to the Lord and say, okay, here's one more place where I need another level of healing. Here's one more memory where I need more healing. Here's one more space in my heart that needs more healing. And as I did that prayerfully throughout the years, um, he just starts to slowly heal. And it's, it's uh, really powerful. Yeah. And I'm sorry, and again, I'm thankful for your willingness to walk through your own pain so that others might be, uh, be able to maybe even acknowledge their own pain. We just don't know because our culture just doesn't know how to grieve uh, our death mm-hmm. and some of the struggles that we go through. Again, the book is When Mountains Crumble, uh, Rebuilding uh, Life After Losing Someone You Love. We have about a, a minute left. And I, I've I've talked about uh, grief work, uh, grief, grief bomb, but we also mentioned grief brain. Can you share with us about a minute what that might be? Yeah, it's just that fog that you feel. It's, it's the um, for me. It looked like an inability to even write my name. I began to write. Um, I would invert my spelling and my letters and everything. Um, I couldn't do simple math problems. Literally, like two plus one, I could not do, um, lose my car in the parking lot, all kinds of things, but that's grief brain. And a friend of mine who was a police force widow, she, she gave me that phrase and it just was so nice to have a term like, Oh, this is grief brain. And it just helps you feel not so crazy when you know, okay, this happens to everybody. Um, (laughs) I can save the milk that I put away in the pantry and it was supposed to go in the fridge. Like it's just so helpful to know that it's common. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you again. Danita Janae has been our guest. Thank you, Danita, for taking the time and sharing your heart and your hurt. Because in doing so, I know um, maybe in some ways that's something uh, of a part of your journey, but it also helps so many others as well. So thank you to my guest, Danita Janae, for joining me today. And thanks to our behind-the-scenes team here at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, our engineer filling in today for Courtney is actually Ryan McConaughey. And he's doing a great job. We appreciate that. Charles is manning the phones. And I apologize we didn't get to everybody on the phones. You know, it just I know this is an issue for so many of us. Uh, to hear today's program again, go to edstetzerlive.com. And remember, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio. And Moody Radio itself is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks, thanks again for listening to Ed Stetzer Live.